Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and I lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Tailoring because Larry, Norm, Kim and Judy have taken my measurements for years and the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, I learned test results are out and how they do, how the kids in choice uh, participate in the choice uh, programs doing here in Indiana, and what does all mean. And now we've recovered from the pandemic, so join us uh, in studio to kind of talk about that, as well as a couple other education issues. Our good uh, friends and school choice advocates, Robert Enloe of EdChoice. Robert, my friend, always good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Betsy Wiley, the Institute for Quality Education. Betsy, always good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so overall, Robert, uh, how did Indiana kids do with I Learned this year? Well, overall, not all. All that great. I mean, look, we, we, we have uh, recovered a little bit, but overall that our kids are still not where they need to be when it comes to their iLearn performance statewide. So uh, we know that ELA proficiency uh, is at 40% statewide and for 40.7% for math. And so that means uh, six in 10 kids are still not proficient. And so we have a long way to go. And if we want to be a hub of innovation, we're going to have to do better. Now, Betsy, last time I checked, because uh, I've been teaching for 20 years and was a student before that, 60% or less is not a good Not good, number. is it? So no, what's, what's going not on? good. 40% is kind of failing, yes. right? Yeah. Um, what's going on? I think that's a great question and something that we are really going to have to get serious about in the state because um, our future depends on it, right? The, the future of our kids, future of our workforce, future of our communities. And so we are going to have to be serious. Um, I'm not sure that we're not going to see a return to the basics, right? Everything that was old might be new again and, and back to the basics on you know, reading and writing and mathematics. And um, those are the core functional skills that our kids need. They're the things that parents want when we ask, uh, what are you looking for? Is to make sure that kids are getting prepared and getting those basic skills so they can thrive um, in whatever path they choose. And so we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and get pretty serious about it here in Indiana. Uh, one, of the, one of the big criticisms I've heard for years, and not just here in Indiana, sort of nationwide, is that uh, there's just so much testing done that the teachers don't have to teach the test. They don't have time to teach anything else. Robert, if people are teaching the test, why are we getting these results? Well, <laughs> call, call me crazy here. Call me crazy. <laughs> you know, look, I, I think we have. I think Betsy's exactly right. We have to think about returning to the basics. And frankly, we got to think about giving parents what they're asking for. So we, as you know, we do a monthly poll every every month with morning consult. And when we ask parents what it is you want schools to teach, here's what they tell us in order. Core academic subjects, independent thinking, and skills for the future. That's what they're thinking. You know, they're not thinking about all the other stuff that we're hearing a lot about. So they want their kids to learn, and we're not fulfilling that need. And parents are, that's one of the reasons why parents are moving from one option to the other option, going from public to charter and, and charter to private, and even more than that, to homeschooling and, and microschooling. So this is why you're seeing a quarter of the parents have already moved from one option to another this year. Betsy, so when we talk about uh, sort of you know getting sort of those quote unquote back to basics, it seems like we hear that sort of every every year with ISTEP coming out and I learn all the test results. Why hasn't that happened yet, or do you think? I'm not sure why it hasn't happened. I mean, there's definitely been some social pressure, right, in communities and around curriculum, subject matter, um, you know, all these types of other issues. I also think over the years. Um, 
we've asked an awful lot of our schools of all types, like anything we want done to a child who's between like six and 18, we say, oh, they can do it at the school. Right. And so we're asking a lot more out of our schools and our educators than than teaching, you know, the basic core core academics uh, skills and and um, subjects like Robert was talking about. We're asking them to be social workers, healthcare facilities, on and on and on. And, and sometimes and for that, parts, sometimes single parents and, par- and full-time parents. Single parents, full-time parents, after school care, before school care, you know, uh, provider of the majority of your meals of the day, on and on and on. And um, it used to be that school was about school. And you went to learn, you know, your one, two, threes and your ABCs and the rest of that was taken care of uh, either at home or around within your community and neighborhood. Yeah. And we grew up when schools were supposed to be and local parents in place of parents for education, not the parent. And I think that's one of the challenges that we're seeing. Schools have taken over almost everything from the parent. And that's one of the reasons we're excited by what's happening around the country and in Indiana. Parents are saying we're going to take some of this back. Our guests on the program today are Robert Enlow of Ed Choice and Betsy Weiler of the Institute for Quality Education. Talk about sort of I-Learn test results. So many I-tests around here. Uh, I-Learn test results and uh, sort of what can be done. Uh, Robert, you said uh, uh, people did a little bit better. Not as much as the pandemic. Can you give us some 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 specifics, some of the details? Yeah. So it's really so. What we did is it, Betsy and I sort of decided, hey, let's take a look at the I Learn results statewide, and then particularly for for children who are Black and Hispanics. And we then wanted to say, how are the uh, the voucher participating schools? How are the non-public schools who are uh, in the voucher program? How are they doing on I Learn? And particularly with with children who are Black and Hispanic. And the good news is statewide across all of those metrics, right? Both on ELA proficiency and math proficiency. And on black proficiency in math and ELA and on Hispanic proficiency for math and uh, uh, ELA, they are better, right? And that's even true in Marion County, which is great. So uh, voucher participating public schools or non-public schools in Marion County are way outperforming the traditional sector. And we're excited by that because we know that almost half of the kids in, in many of these schools are receiving vouchers. And so we know, and particularly, here's a perfect example. In in Marion County, the traditional public school rate of passage for ELA was 16.9%. In the voucher participating schools, 32.6%. So almost double, right, if not more. In the, in the black math proficiency was 12.5% in traditional public schools and 16% uh, in, in voucher participating schools. His Hispanic ELA proficiency was 27% compared to 18% in the traditional schools. So, look, we it's not perfect and it's not nearly good enough, but the non-public schools in Marion County and statewide and in Fort Wayne and South Bend generally are showing a better performance for kids. Betsy, now I can hear the critics right now saying, well, you're just saying that causation equals correlation. It's not true. It's like, hey, look, I can wave this pin around the room. It keeps all the terrorists away. Do you see any terrorists? So... How can you prove that just because a kid went to a you know exercise a voucher, whether it's you know public charter, private charter, religious homeschooling, that that had something to do with their uh, increased test performance? I don't know that you can prove it. Other than you know, to Robert's point, you've got to look at the data points. And when you look at the data points and the kids that participate in these programs, you know, last year we had over 53,000 students utilize a voucher to help them go to a private school. Um, I got some numbers today from the DOE and applications are up about 25 percent. So um, already. So we expect, you know, quite a few more students taking advantage of, of that program again this year. If you look at the data points, those private schools that accept students on vouchers and 
and we can look at who is on a voucher, right? What percentage are on free and reduced lunch? What percentage are minority? What, you know, et cetera. Those schools are academically performing better, at least based on a metric here on the iLearn. Um, and that's what the state has chosen to determine, you know, are we meeting the mark or not in terms of core skills? Um, and, and so parents are taking advantage of that. Robert, is it the is it the voucher school? Is it the parent, or is it something else, or is it all the above? I think it's all the above. So we know from the data really clearly when a parent get, decides to take a voucher, not only do they get more involved in their kids' education every day, they get more, they communicate with their teacher more, they get they do more volunteer activities at school, and they start to vote more. All of this sort of social capital that's going on in families' lives, and the schools are then meeting the needs of those families. So it's it's almost like back to what it used to be, which is where the the school is really in local parentis and the parent is a partner and the parent is coming alongside and as to the, the results conversation as well i want to make sure of this it's not just a test score on a day right that's an important factor in a metric we know from tons and tons of other data that families who are in the choice programs their kids are graduating from high school at higher rates they're matriculating into college at higher rates they're they're retaining themselves in college at higher rates they're voting more there's a whole host of social things that are going on here that are really good for the families and and the kids that are in these programs in fact we, i was just at a staff meeting and i didn't know this but our newest hire uh, had been on the voucher program unbeknownst to me and it's fantastic to hear that story from a family that she wasn't she wasn't going to go to college and now she went to college and got an opportunity our guests on the program today are our good friends robert enlow at choice and betsy wiley the institute for quality education talking about uh sort of i learn uh test results uh that are out and also uh what it means uh for the sort of the school voucher school choice program here in the state of indiana uh betsy uh, how have voucher schools done over the past few years since indiana sort of brought vouchers into the into play have you guys seen a, a dramatic increase uh in test results and college education uh, in parents and in students who attend voucher schools or as opposed to students who went sort of the traditional public education route? Yeah, great question. So as you know, vouchers have been here for just over 10 years. Um, and early early uh, studies showed and continue to show that um, in the first year or two, students as they transition maybe from a public school into a private school utilizing a voucher have a little bit of academic slippage. Um, a lot of that we think is because of just sort of the difference in transitioning and environment, expectations, et cetera. But the data also shows that after a year or two, or in some cases two and a half, whether you're talking English or math, uh, those kids not only catch up, but they exceed the academic performance of their peers. And so long-term, uh, there is data out there to show that um, students that that go to and participate in the voucher program go to a private school and stay there are academically excelling compared to their public school peers. Robert, one of the things I would add to that is we know that public so there's clear data on this. Um, public schools that have high areas of choice, right? So particularly elementary schools, when mm -hmm. there's a public school that is exposed to a lot of families that can be free to choose, whether they go to charters or, or the non-publics on the voucher, those schools are actually getting better on test scores faster than other schools, right? So we know not only are kids potentially doing better over time, they're doing better, they're achieving more, they're attaining more, 
schools, public schools are getting better faster. This is the kind of thing we want. And now, of course, is it a panacea? Nothing is a panacea. But it's certainly a step in the right direction. And it's certainly a thing to think about as we look at the very poor performance of our traditional schools. I think another key data point, right, is not just private schools of choice, but public schools of choice, our charter schools, right, which are public schools. You look at it here in Marion County, which has half of the charter school students in the state, they're outperforming IPS gangbusters, right? And particularly for black and brown kids. And so what you see is a, is a strong, is evidence of a strong trend that when, to Robert's point, when, when a choice is made on an educational environment, it yields better academic results. One of the big things I've noticed in the debate uh, in vouchers in Indiana over the past 10 years uh, and change has been that the, the argument was that, okay, well, we'll do vouchers, but you got to attend a private a public school first for a year or two. Then if that doesn't work, then they said eventually that the, the, the voucher program has spread over, has grown over time. Uh, so the, lim- the, the limits on income have uh, sort of increased as well. And one of the, one of the big critics of the voucher program says is all this money is doing is taking money away from traditional public schools. I don't buy that because it's not the public school's money. It's the taxpayer's money, number one. And number two, if the kid uh, had left the public school – the school wouldn't get the money anyway because the money now follows the kids. So am, am I missing something here or have I just been – am I not fully recovered yet from my illness that I had earlier this spring? No, I think you were completely <laughs> healthy uh, based on that analysis. You are absolutely right. In Indiana, dollars follow the students. Um, and so wherever that child goes, that's where the money goes. And in the case of a voucher, not 100% of the money, right? Only 90%. Um, there is a, a little a discount. You know, if that same child chose a charter school, again, another public school, or their neighborhood public school, or a neighborhood district public school, a neighboring district public school, they would get more money, right? They'd get that full 100% of state tuition support. A voucher is only worth 90%. Um, and so, but it follows follows that kid, and you are not missing it at all. So, Robert, why well, do your, people- your brain is in good fucking <laughs> order, right? So, let's just say that. I mean, look, very clearly here, if a child, if, if the argument about your draining money from public schools is true, then the largest offenders of that are other public, public schools, schools, right? Because they're the ones that families are moving across district to, and the largest choice program in our state is the public-to-public cross-district lines. So, if they were so mad about the money leaving the public school district, uh, uh, Pike would be screaming at Carmel or screaming at, at Wayne. But that's not what happens because they are they don't like other options. They only want government-run and public options. And that's not that's fine, but we, we want all options for families. They call it a per-people funding unit for a reason. And we Betsy and I say this all the time. You have a child in IPS that in federal, state, and local money gets around $15,000 in third grade. That same kid gets around eight or 9000 to go to a charter school. And that same kid gets 6000 to go to a private school. Help me understand why that child's worth $9,000 less by virtue of the different school type. That strikes me as both amoral and unjust. And if logic is uh, to be uh, to be followed here, then our friends in the traditional school community should be upset about other public schools more than private schools. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.